Hi and welcome to Dietless Living 360 Degrees, Overcoming Weight Loss Obstacles with me, Katie Gordon, your host. As a weight loss coach, I help men and women overcome their weight loss obstacles so that they can lose weight their way and lose it for life. Yet the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child also applies to uh, achieving our weight loss goals because some of the obstacles that we face in life are in different areas of our life. We have uh, problems in our relationships, work, our finances, homes, families, our home environment, and sometimes we have injuries and other more complex health issues that are impacting our weight and our health. And whilst how to overcome weight loss obstacles in six simple steps helps you to create and maintain your good health habits through those challenging times, we also need professionals who can help us resolve those obstacles. So with that in mind, Dietless Living 360 Degrees brings in other professionals to help you overcome those obstacles. And today we have the very delightful Rachel Smith. Now, Rachel Smith didn't buy anything new or secondhand for one whole year. And she saved 38% of her salary. And that completely changed her life. It took her 13 weeks and seven steps to break her shopping addictions and bad buying habits. And she shares those seven steps in her book, Underspent. Rachel's behaviour change expertise spans over 25 years through the transport, tourism, cycling, finance and consumerism industries. Her behavioural research during the pandemic revealed we only change our behaviours when it's personal or urgent and we care enough that we finally say, I've had enough. Rachel's a best-selling author and has given two two TED Talks and has spoken in London's Palace of Westminster's House of Lords and was part of the BMW Google Home Lab, which is a mobile think tank about cities of the future and has won many international awards. So welcome to the show, Rachel. It's so great having you with us today. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what you do and the main way you help people, help your clients with what you do? Oh, thank you for having me, Katie. Well, I suppose the kind of main thing that I do is to kind of challenge social norms, inspire people, and then educate them with the kind of how to change their, their shopping, their spending, and their saving behaviours. But I call these fun, free and life-changing habits because they're all kind of really simple, small things that we can just build into our everyday life so that we kind of change our behaviour um, without even realising. What a blessing, right, to be able to change without realising. And I think that people miss that about what you do, that it's actually fun and easy to do and, and quite simple, mm -hmm. isn't it? So absolutely. So one of the things is I call it play money. So people think that budgeting and finance and saving is like really difficult. And I think the media and financial advisors and finance companies have kind of made it sound so complicated and it is complicated. I don't understand superannuation at all. 
you know, I know where my money is and that's it. And, and we've been, you know, told that it's this hard thing over here. So I have this thing called play money and I have different bank accounts. So, you know, one for where the money comes, your, you know, your pay comes in and then one for like your mortgage or your rent, one for food, one for bills, one for my car, one for um, maybe emergency. So all these different bank accounts were so 11, but one of them is fun. Because, you know, it's really important that we set aside money for ourselves. And that's the kind of account where you do with that as you please. For some people, that might be $10 a month. For someone else, it might be 100 For someone else, it might be 500 But that's kind of a non-discretionary amount of money that you can use as you wish. And what I found then is that, that you're then you're kind of solving your own problem without even realizing. So when my money comes in, I just sit on the sofa watching TV, you know, move it into the allocated bank accounts and then I've got my play money left. And I used to work at TransLink in Brisbane and there was a lady there who said, I love spending my money on clothes. But she said, I've realized that actually I spend a lot of money on coffees. You know, everyone else is going and getting a flat white in the morning. So I trot off and get one. And then I do the same in the afternoon. And she said, I don't even like coffee. But she <laughs> said, I really, yeah, and this is the thing. She's like, I don't even like coffee. I just do it because everyone else is doing it. And so she said, now I have my play money for clothes. And she said, because they're the things that I really value. And I'll just make a cup of tea in the TransLink kitchen and save my, myself money. So it's those kind of really simple things that we can bring into everyday life. Because our habits are accumulative, right? Whether it's the eating habits or your spending habits, they are accumulative. Whether it's you're spending the money, it's accumulative and you're losing your money. Or you've got a little bit of money that you're saving and it accumulates to give you something that you really want later on. But I really like what you're saying about the bank accounts. I used to do that old style with envelopes, you know, back in the day where you get your pay and my first job, sit down and put money into an envelope and then the money is always there for you. We, we don't really do that anymore. And I think that's the biggest downfall, isn't it? And actually people going back to your weight loss obstacles, people put obstacles in the way because they're like, well, is there a fee on, the, on those other bank accounts? Do they have to have a debit card? Do they need a checkbook? Do they need this? And it's like, no, just have your current account and then just have like sub accounts. And then when you take the money, you know, say you pay with your debit card, you then pay back from the sub account but people are just like oh what about this what about that oh this book and it's like you know they make it so complicated uh, for themselves yes and like the barefoot investor and all these other people you know ing i mean i don't bank with them but my understanding is people like ing will set all of that up for you because the barefoot investors talked about it other people have talked about it and so the system people will make it easy for you but and you're right with those kind of those habits that accumulate. Lots of people I speak to say, well, I go to Chums, you know, Westfield Chermside every Saturday. That's what we kind of do. And then we go to McDonald's for our lunch. Then we go to fast food for our dinner. Then we go to the movies and have popcorn. And so, you know, it's the, the, the kind of shopping and the eating are actually 
intrinsically combined and then it's just accumulating one on you know each other yeah, yeah. and then you're doing both you know you're yeah. spending and you're eating rubbish food yeah so you're yeah and you know you make a good point right because this is one of the obstacles that people have for weight loss and it would be the same for people who are changing their spending habits right because there's a habit of doing something right and whether it's going shopping or going to the market on a Sunday morning to get a bit of fruit and veg and a coffee and a whatever they get for breakfast so that when they decide not to do that because they're making a change in their spending or their eating what they end up with is a void isn't it? So you're talking about people yep. go to Chermside and they go, right, well, this is my Saturday. I go to Chermside, I shop, I, I buy these treats and I go to the, the movies and I have this. And then when they have to change the, the spending habit, it's like, well, what do I do? Yeah. That's part of their yep. problem, isn't it? The void. It's the same with the food. Yep. Do you help them and with actually, that? Yeah. And it's actually interesting, Katie, because I remember it was you actually who told me, I was saying, oh, I catch the train up to Caboolture. I was doing a contract at Morton Bay Council. And I was like, you know, it's like nearly an hour. It's a waste of time. And you were like, we'll do something more productive. And I, you know, most people are just sat on the train doing this, you know. And I actually was doing, building all my social media. Yeah. Um, I was doing some coaching and I was actually using the time then um, productively. But going back to your other question about doing something else, I always just say to people, pause before you purchase. So yeah. if you're at Chermside, you know, there's heaps of stuff to buy there. My favourite shopping centre in Brisbane was always Toomble because it was small, but, you know, that got flooded. You know, pause before you purchase. You know, if you see something, I write it down on my phone. I've got a notes section and then I wait 90 days. And some people say that's way too long. So I might wait for, if you're on Chermside on a Saturday, wait for 90 minutes, you know, go and have a wander around, look at other things. Yeah. If it's uh, like a weekday, and as I said, I used to work at TransLink, and, you know, everyone would walk up to the Queen Street Mall, everyone would look around the shops, and people would buy dresses, and, you know, and I'd be like, if you still want that dress that you see at lunchtime, either go back in the evening, you know, like five or half past five, or go the next day or a couple of days later, and people said, actually, you're right, because it's that kind of impulsive purchasing that's the yeah. that's the killer. That fills out actually, wardrobes with stuff we don't want. Yeah. <laughs> and people would say, actually, that giving yourself a cooling off period is actually the kind of game changer. And there's, there's no effort in that. It's really easy to do. Yeah. Do you know what I used to do? Because I've had all the ha bad habits over time and spending stuff on a plethora of things I did not need. Um, and when I was breaking my spending habit, and I still do it now, when because I always succumb to the, well, not so, it wasn't even pressure from the saleswoman. I just have to go, do you want help? <laughs> you know, like I might be yeah. looking at something, they just sort of, do you want help? Or, and, they, you know, they've got that glint in their eye, or maybe she's going to buy. And so I'd just say I've actually made a, um, a deal with my therapist that I have to put this down yes. and wait for one day. And that would make them go away, right? Because yeah. they go, oh, she's going to see a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but it also yeah. helped me because then I would actually put it down and and 
say exactly what you said. I'll just wait and see yeah. if I really, really want it. Yeah. And I think there's also, they make you feel not in a bad way, like they're not being nasty, but I think there's a real shame and stigma in society that if you're not buying something, you know, if you're in a shop and you've looked at it and you've tried it on and you say, I'll think about it, that's almost like that you've put this big label up that says, I can't afford it. You're made to feel like that, even if that's not how you feel. And you're just like, well, I'm not really sure what that would go with or will I really wear it? But I think they almost make you feel bad for walking away. And I, But then that goes back to our own self-worth and our own self-esteem where we say, actually, I don't really like it or it's the wrong size or, yeah. It's not yeah. what I want. It yeah. Fit me yeah. And, you know, it's this is such a, a part of us where we don't want to say no, right? Because yeah. we, just, we just don't want to offend people or, yeah. I don't know, we just have a problem with saying no. And yes, go home with stuff. I've bought so much stuff that I should not have bought. So tell me, though, about the year that you stopped spending and and saved 38% of your salary, like, which is is a massive amount. What were what was the catalyst to do that, and how did it sort of evolve for you? Was it a scientific? Was it like a, a science experiment for yourself, or was it? other purposeful meaning yeah so it's a kind of a bit of a multi-dimensional thing so I was in Hawaii sounds very um, exciting (laughs) it was New Year's Eve and all my friends were like oh I'm going to go to yoga more I'm going to ride my bike to work and I was like I'm not going to buy anything and they were like and (laughs) so I, I wasn't it wasn't like I was at home and I'd gone out you know bought loads of stuff that I needed to stock up I was just like, I'm not going to buy anything. So it was a spontaneous New Year's Eve resolution. But I had been working on a project, uh, or the BMW Guggenheim Lab, which was a moving think tank around the world. And we were talking about cities and life in the future. And I'd been living in Berlin for a while, paid for by um, BMW in this little teeny, teeny, tiny apartment, like tiny, like a studio, but really, really small. And so it had like, you know, two cups, two plates. (laughs) Yeah, it was like the ultra minimalist, tiny thing. And um, it would be like some, like uh, the size of like an Australian downstairs bathroom. It was that small. And I'd been invited to a friend's house for dinner with a whole load of other people. And they said, would you make an apple crumble for like 30 people? And so I was like thinking, well, I just have like two knives, two forks. So I went down to this cafe downstairs. It was like an apartment building with a cafe on the ground floor. And I and I knew the guy in the cafe because I wasn't very good on the money. So I would take, I'd give, when I went to like Aldi or wherever, I'd give a big note because I couldn't do the change quickly enough. And then he'd swap all my coins for notes at the end of the week. Yeah. So I said to him, can I borrow a baking tray? And he was like, just go out into the kitchen and borrow what you want and bring it back. And I was like, oh, wow. You'd never go to like Southbank in Brisbane or or some like place in Sydney or London or anywhere and just go to a cafe and say, can I borrow your staff and I'll bring it back? (laughs) 
So I was like, oh, wow, why are we, you know, normally you would go to like Ikea or Kmart or somewhere and buy all the stuff and then, and I thought, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And then we'd gone to uh, Mumbai in India and, you know, people have got next to nothing, but people valued what they had. And I thought, well, here we are always buying in my subconscious. People had always been, you know, just buying whatever you, they needed uh, oh, just pop to Kmart and get that. And, you know, I did that as well. Yeah. And then I had these people who valued it, didn't have very much, but really valued. And I thought in the Western world, we don't really value what we've got. Correct. And then I'd read this article about this family in New Farm who spent a year just buying secondhand stuff, going to op shops. And I thought they bought so much stuff. And I was thinking, well, you're almost kind of defeating the object because you're just <laughs> buying loads of secondhand stuff. So I guess in my subconscious, all of these things had been kind of bubbling along. Yeah. And so then I was like, I'm not going to buy anything. I guess that just shows your subconscious does um, grow up within you and it just comes out. And you instinctively know, I think, what to do, actually. So then I, that was going into 2013. So I it, I failed. So I got until the end of April and then I'd gone to Noosa and I bought some clothes. And ironically, I never really wore those clothes very much. <laughs> I think that was just something to buy. Yeah. And because I had seen not buying anything as a real negative, and I think that was the same in like dieting. Yep. It's like negative, you're on a diet, that's it's bad. Right? I'm yeah. restricting um, myself. I'm missing yeah. out. Yeah. And so, you know, you go to things and people say, oh, such and Shirley's on a diet, you know, don't invite Shirley, she's dieting or, you know, you go to barbecue and it's like Fred's on a diet and, and there's all this kind of negative when I've had this kind of like, oh, it's doom and gloom, it's punishment, I'm going without, blah, 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 blah. You would have had this, so this spending thing. Come on, Rachel, buy something. No, yeah, Rachel, yeah. Rachel's on a spending diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I was really angry, actually, after. And, and I thought about it a bit more. And I thought about it all year. And I actually was really angry with myself that I failed. So then I was like, right, I'm going to do it again. But I'll see it as a lifestyle experiment. I'll do, you know, see it as an opportunity doing something different and I actually did a lot of different things in that in the following year 2014 so I succeeded and the kind of two main things was I saw it as a as an opportunity but I also made myself accountable so at the end of each month I would do a little summary like a tweet or I put it on Facebook and there were a couple of guys I was working with at Brisbane City Council. I didn't really know that we were on this big public transport project. And they would always contact me, like send me a little email near the end of the month. So how did you go this month? Oh. And they, <laughs> I didn't really know them at all. We'd just been at this workshop and they kind of knew that I was doing it. Yeah. And I think it was that kind of real accountability. And then I felt that I needed to do it. I was almost doing it for them. Yeah, because they were always asking. So that at the end of the month, I, you could say, "I did yeah, really well." Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was, and then I just thought, and then when I worked out my money at the end, I was like, "Wow, that just shows that I was, I wasn't a shopaholic." You know, I didn't like get up and was, you know, buying, but I was an impulse shopper. You know, I was the sort of person who go to Kmart and go, 
oh yeah, that's really cheap, or oh yeah, that's cheap, so I'll buy that, or oh yeah, I've got a pair of you know leggings like that, but that's a different colour, or yeah. that's a nice cushion, or that's a three for two for books, or yeah, that magazine has got a nice cover, and yeah. And you get to check out and your bunch of things that didn't cost very much add up to quite a bit of money. <laughs> yeah. And like $150 has gone in one trip to Kmart. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're really clever. They are really, really yep. clever Kmart that they, yeah. And so yeah. you saved 38% of your wage over that year. And did you feel any loss or hardship through the year like because you said you you bought absolutely nothing 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 other than just your food and petrol that you needed to live yeah and so I did I bought food and essential toiletries yeah so you know like toothpaste but also I'd had I'd been working in engineering where you go you know kind of a lot of fly in fly out type stuff so you get all the little toothpastes in the hotels and the shower gels. So whilst I only bought essential toiletries, I actually used up a lot of those little hotel soaps and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was still allowed to go and do experiences. So I could go for dinner. I could go for coffee. I could go horse riding, yep. those kind of things. But I couldn't buy any physical items. Yep. No magazine. So it wasn't like. It wasn't like I was sat at home just looking at the four walls. But I was also really got into like asking if I could borrow stuff. Yes. And it got to the end of November and I had these little cheap like ballet flats. They were probably from Kmart or Target. And they got a hole in the bottom and I like wore them for a bit. But then my like, you know, skin was probably <laughs> on the on the pavement. Yeah. And so my boss was like, you can't come in here into work with like either runners or thongs or whatever on. You are going to have to get some shoes. So I was like, "Mm." so I sent an email around the office to all the ladies saying, you know, I'm a size seven. I need some shoes, like flat black shoes. Has anyone got any? And the lady who I actually sat next to, who was also called Rachel, said, oh, I've got a pair that I bought, you know, at one of those like spend less shops she said I've never actually worn that wore them they were on sale and I bought them because I thought they were cheap and so she brought them in the next day and I wore them for the rest of the year so again it just shows everyone else has got stuff as well that they buy because it's on sale or it's bargain or it's cheap and they don't wear it and they're happy to get rid of stuff yeah 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 but that just asking yeah yeah and that really came from your experience in Germany, wasn't it? Where the guy said, you can yes. borrow my tray from the cafe. Just bring it back. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, we might have a barbecue or people around to our house and you kind of think, oh, I need to go and get some folding chairs or I need to get, you know, extra plates. But you can actually just ask someone, can I borrow a couple of chairs from you? Can yeah. I, you know, borrow yeah. a an airbed you know I had like a double airbed and I was always lending it to people because people were like well I need a spare bed but only for a couple of days and yeah it's getting that it doesn't mean you're poor it just means that you don't need to go and buy an airbed because I've got one yeah it's called sharing right yeah we do it for friends and and anything and and we're all happy to share if we know what you want and we've got it we're happy to share 
It's just that Absolutely. we just have the mentality of, I want to make muffins this weekend. I'm only going to make one batch of muffins, and but I don't have a muffin tray, so I'll go buy a muffin tray. Yeah. Because it won't cost much at Kmart or wherever. And then yeah. we have a, a, I've got stuff in my cup. Yes, so many things bought yeah. for exactly that. I'll just, I'll just buy one. Yeah, exactly. But, and the money spent gone. My money, my hard-earned money, yeah, gone. Yeah. But actually, your next-door neighbour might have got a muffin tray that you could have borrowed for half an hour or an hour. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we need to rethink the way that we do money the same as we need to rethink the way that we do food. Mm -hmm. And really, that comes back to rethinking and understanding the way that we get marketed to but that's going to be a conversation for another day yeah <laughs> so Rachel some of the questions I do like to ask um, my guests when they come on the show about the greatest hardships that they've had to overcome so what's your a greatest hardship or obstacle or challenge that you've had to overcome in your life and how did you do it? Like what strategies did you use? How did you develop your resilience to be able to overcome whatever it was that was happening for you? Oh, that's actually quite a difficult one, isn't it? I'd kind of say um, I've had quite a lot actually, um, but I'd actually say that one of them is what I'm doing now, to be honest. So I uh, sold my house in Brisbane in July last year, in 2021, I moved back to the UK because obviously the borders were closed with COVID and, and you know, my mum and dad are here in the UK. And so, um, and I'd had a, a burst pipe in my house just before I was going to put my house on the market. And now it's been hard to find somewhere to live. And I'm fortunate that I've got a job. So you know, I, I'm not, I always say there's two things that define us, our patience when we have nothing and our attitude when we have everything. That's beautiful. And yeah. And so I'm in this kind of transitional period of living in Airbnbs and with family and, and how do you overcome it? Well, I think it's that I'm kind of thinking on my feet now, how do you overcome it? I think you've just got to know what your values are. And you have to just kind of get on and, and get through it. You know, I did a lot of work in Australia with the Queensland government on their community recovery programs when people, after the cyclones and stuff. Yeah. And I always used to think, you know, people had, lot. you know, you'd go to houses where they've had, you know, like six metres of water through or, yeah. you know, it's, the house is completely you know just rubble after a cyclone and and I think you just it's that kind of just getting up each day and putting one foot in front of the other but not giving up yeah. and you know and as and as well with like my underspent you know trying to help people change their shopping behaviors people don't want to and I guess you know people say to me you haven't you've never really you've never made any money out of this you spent a lot of time and money and you still keep going and it's like well I believe in this so I keep it going and I think whether it's like um, your domestic arrangements or being out of work or um, moving or whatever or 
of flood or you know like the people in Lismore yeah. I think you've just got to kind of get up and have a plan and and then keep going but I think on the other side I, I'm also one of those people who always has a plan b c d I got my role in a consultancy was made redundant in December 2015 and if I'm really honest I think that a lot of my year of not spending was because I'd seen so many people having their jobs made redundant that subconsciously um, I was one of those people who was like, I want to have some money in reserve so yeah. that if my job does go, I've got some money. And when my role was made redundant, I was like, it's okay, I've got money saved. Yeah. Where in about 200 people got made redundant on that same day as me and people were just like how am I going to pay my car loan how am I going to pay my mortgage and I was like to myself I was like it's okay you've got enough money saved that you can live for a few months yeah. and it doesn't matter and actually ironically I've got a job I, and then actually I email I went home on the Monday afternoon I emailed everyone I knew and said I need a job and people were like right go to this interview here on this day go and speak to these people and so by not I didn't have to sit at home and worry. Yeah. So I guess there's a kind of a lot of things in there. I think it is about the kind of getting up every day and just keep going on and not giving up. Yeah. If there's something you believe in and you've got values in, then just keep persevering and, you know, pivot a little bit and also have a, always have a plan B, C, D, E. Yeah. Yes, because it's that we don't always choose our hardships. And one of the other questions I'll ask you soon is about the ones that the hardships that we go through that we choose, which may very well be the same one for you that you just talked about moving back home. But it is that um, ability to, and it's because I do ask the same question to each of my guests, it's interesting to note how everybody says, you know, everyone else's obstacles or challenges were in the past. You're actually still living yours, aren't you? So yeah. everybody else has been retrospectively kind of thought about and spoken about. And I think the interesting thing here is that you're still living it. You're still going through what mm. this hardship and obstacle is because you're living it you're still in the throes of it you are having to remember each and every one of your own strategies for picking yourself up by your bootstraps maybe every day and and saying this is my plan I'm doing this these are my obstacles I'm going to overcome them this way I have my plans and keeping that momentum because yes. it's our emotional state that gets us isn't it yes it's the, but, how we feel about being stuck in something we don't want to be in but it's really interesting because in 2014 I did an entrepreneur course and they made you spend a lot of time working on your values yep and in and of it yes it was an entrepreneur course in that it taught you like strategies for you know productizing and monetizing and writing a book and all of those kind of things they did spend a lot of time on your values and comfort has always been one of my values and 
what and now I find I'm not in comfort I mean I'm living with family and it's I've got a roof over my head it's a comfortable house but not in the comfort where you've got your own space and what it's shown me is if you've got four or three values I've got four if one of them falls away it's like a three-legged chair you've got to, once you know what your values are and say you've got four they say to have two but I have four that you really know that your your true values when one of them isn't there because you are on that three-legged chair yeah, yeah. so it really is it's absolutely critical I think for people to know what their value what their real values are yeah. and I think that's really hard work not as in as in uh, deep work that's really important to do which people don't put enough time into yes. yeah understanding what they need to function happily yeah 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 yeah, yeah. now one of mine is financial security yeah and so my problem other people would say the only real reason that you have struggled to get a house is you're not prepared to get a mortgage and you are looking at the cheapest, like the cheapest houses there are so that you can buy it without a mortgage. And I'm like, but financial security is one of my core values. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't have loads of money. It will be like a start, like the bottom of the, well, basically the cheapest house you can buy. Yeah. But I don't, for me financial security isn't about being like a millionaire or super rich it's about not having any debt yeah and I had said if I'm going to go from from Brisbane where I had a mortgage to the UK the trade-off for me has to be I'm more congruent with my values and yeah. that means that I don't have a mortgage anymore that's got to be the trade-off yeah, yeah. cool and so you're living that value uncomfortably so at the moment because your trade-off for going for that is you're having to trade your comfort your comfort isn't it but discomfort yeah yeah but for you to get that back you still have to have that so ultimately you go through some discomfort and then you will have your four-legged chair back yeah yeah absolutely Yeah. And just for the viewers uh, who are watching, we won't go into this, but buying a house in the UK is completely different to buying a home in Australia. It's a big, long chain of buyers, like a domino's fall that goes, but can go back <laughs> 20 or 50 houses. Yes. And each one of those sales have to go through before you get your one. And it can fall over any minute at the like at the last minute on any given day on any one of those so it's so much more trickier than australia so and because rachel wants to buy the (laughs) she wants to buy she has to wait until that domino's fall falls her way yeah yeah it's crazy but you're being so i think you're being really brave because you have picked up sticks you know, the good old Australian saying, picked up sticks and you've moved back to the UK and you're sticking to your values, you're sticking to what you know and learnt through your year with um, 
of underspent and what you teach to people. So it's not always that hard. However, at, at the end of the day, you're going to own a home and be debt free. Not many people can say that. You can yeah. buy the house, you'll be debt free, and you will be in the place essentially emotionally where you want to be and that's all that we can hope for in life is to be able to get to there we just have to overcome the obstacles along the way which mostly are how we feel about where we bloody well are yeah absolutely yeah you're doing remarkable as always and these next two questions may very well all come back to this same one obstacle i don't know but what's the biggest risk that you've ever taken and why did you take it? Oh, this is a tricky one, Katie. <laughs> um, I guess to a certain extent, you could say moving to Australia in the beginning because I didn't know anyone. I'd been to Australia as, um, as a backpacker. And so I'd been to Brisbane, I'd been to Sydney, and I really liked it, but I didn't think, oh, yeah, I'll go and become an Australian or anything. And so I was working in the UK. The guy who I used to sit next to um, had been offered a job in Brisbane. And I was like, oh, wow, that's exciting. Brisbane's nice. You know, it's got the, the beach in the city. And British people think that's really cool. <laughs> and... Um, and so then he was like, oh, I don't think I really want to go. And, you know, they were phoning to sort out his visa. And he was like, mm, can you just tell them I'm not here? So they would keep phoning, you know, Mark needs to sort out his visa. And in, I'd be like, oh, he's not here today. And then, you know, they'd phone again. Oh, he's not here today. Oh, he's on holiday or he's got the day off. And, you know, he was like sat right next to me. <laughs> And in the end, the guy who was phoning to sort it out was like, where is he? And I was like, he's not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to go. And he was like, would you go instead? And I was like, oh, yeah. And I said, well, I've been to Brisbane. I know what it's like. Um, and he said, just go for like a year. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah. And so I just kind of went. And, you know, then I was there for 15 years. So um, <laughs> let's go for one stay for 15. Yeah. So I think that was kind of like a, a life changing risk. And, and it was a, a risk to take. So I didn't know anyone. I took all of my furniture. Um, but to me, I think the opportunities that Australia afforded, I would have never have got in the UK because there's just more people in the UK. You just yeah. don't get. You just don't get the opportunities that Australia offers. Yeah. Yeah. Well done that because even though in your mind maybe you were thinking I'm only going for a year, but your behaviour of bringing everything with you, all your furniture said otherwise really, didn't it? Oh, but they make you take your furniture because then they know you'll stay. Oh. So they have done a lot of research, <laughs> all of these companies, and they found that people who went with one suitcase were less likely to stay because it was easier to go. Yeah, you yeah, right. If you your sofa <laughs> and your bed and, and stuff, then you're just like, oh, I've got to drag all of this back. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it is a dilemma, isn't it? I've got friends yeah. who move back and forth and it's yeah. like, oh, 
it was easier for them to go yeah. than to come back, I think. Yeah. What is then, like you, your biggest obstacle and hardship has been moving back to the UK. Your biggest risk was coming from the UK to here yeah, yeah. years ago. So my next question is what's the hardest thing you've ever voluntarily put yourself through and why? Is there some other, ex- something else in there? So this is a controversial one. <laughs> so the borders were, and I actually haven't spoken about this to anyone actually, so. Cool, we've um, got an exclusive. You've got an exclusive. So I didn't want to, the borders were closed, you know, travel was going to be restricted. Um, and I didn't want to take the COVID vaccination. Um, yeah. So I, um for various reasons um and so you know I was concerned that it was rushed one of my friends um uh, was very ill after hers in the UK and sadly passed away um and so I thought I don't want to have it so I got myself a job in London I got a travel exemption before you know when you had to get an exemption to leave regardless of whether you had had the yeah. Um, the vaccination or not um, so and I managed to to um, to leave and I managed to get into uh, the UK without um, uh, so I but what it tells me is again it goes back to your values and your integrity yeah. um, that's my choice that I made and I don't talk about it because that's my personal choice other people can make their personal choice I've always been into um, natural medicine. Um, yeah. I believe a lot of health is as a result of not dealing with um, emotional issues. So I'm a bit of a Louise Hay fan. Yeah. I'd be uh, like an engineering consultancy and people be like, oh, my left hip hurts. And I used to keep it in the drawer and people be like, Rachel's got this book and I'd get it out and I'd be like, Louise Hay says you need to, meditate on, on this <laughs> and um you know your bad shoulder is because you've got this so I mean people were like oh. but people would always be coming and say can I just have a quick look in that book yeah and so I've been always a believer I don't believe in in um any pharmaceutical drugs um and I've had some really serious things in my life you know I had I was in a big scuba diving um accident about 20 years ago, I had decompressional sickness. I was in a hyperbaric chamber for a week um, and I should have died. But that was, again, my mindset. I was yep. seriously, seriously ill. And I was meant to have been going to Scotland. And I um, said, I'm going to Edinburgh. And I just kept going on about that all the time. And actually, the doctor said that my own mindset motivated me to actually get better because I was determined that I was going to Edinburgh even though when I was going to Edinburgh had passed and I was still in hospital and I didn't realize I was just I had kind of you you had a future destination didn't you yeah yeah so and I think it's all about your value for me it was and I'm not telling anyone else what to do it was about my own values and my own integrity and being authentic to myself and standing by what I believed in 
So, so was, that, was that harder of like how much harder did it make you make it for you to get home because without having the vaccination because obviously if you'd have had the vaccination you'd have just had it you get on a plane and off you go in theory but you managed to get an exemption so there was obviously a lot more stuff so, involved yeah so yeah I did it in the bit before when when I did it in July, I got I left in July 2021 when no one could leave. Everyone, yes. regardless of your health status, you needed to have an exemption to leave, and you weren't being asked what your status was. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so yeah, I feel quite proud of myself that I stood by my own morals and my own values. And what I believed was right. Yes. And I don't think anyone can ever take that away from me. When I came to London, they then made it that you had to have um, a vaccination card to get into the office. Yeah. And I just basically made up excuses to work at home. Yeah. And yeah. now, and then it, it got dropped. And now it no one asked you anymore. So it's yeah. okay. So I actually feel quite chuffed to myself, to be quite honest. But... I did a lot of research in the pandemic. I was working as a, as a freelancer, self-employed in planning and engineering. I lost my business because the borders were closed. Yeah. Um, and all my work had been in Sydney. Um, and so then I got a job at Moreton Bay Regional Council um, doing agency work. Um, but I had like a period of time when I was at home you know, like most people who'd lost their business, like kind of sat on the sofa eating chocolate and feeling depressed, <laughs> you know, getting dressed at like lunchtime and, you know, just like, what am I going to do? Because I was like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? And I was really then kind of going back to all this kind of behaviour change. And, you know, why don't people stop shopping? You know, because everyone was shopping online. And yeah. Everyone was ordering junk, you know, Uber Eats in my street. They were just... And I was like... They were wearing a path, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I was like... Because I was like right near Toomble Shopping Centre. So like, people were just going out. Uber Eats were just like going to McDonald's. Like there was just like thousands of them. And I was like, <laughs> people are eating rubbish food. That everyone's shopping. And, um, yeah. and I was like... So I was like... Right, and I did loads of interviews with people about behaviour change. And this... Um, relates to the weight loss and you know my departure from Australia and shopping and everything that people only change their behavior when they have a compelling reason a strong motive and a burning desire that is when it's personal it's urgent and they care enough yeah and when people draw a line in the sand and they say I finally had enough so yeah. it would be like in like the weight loss um scenario it would be you know it's urgent because you know the doctors just told me I've got like six months to live unless I change my behavior it's personal because you know people have said to me oh you know I can't go to things because I'm I'm, I'm not, I'm not fit enough to, yeah. yeah like you know people go to you know there's that assault course the sit wires up yeah. on the sunshine coast and you know they say to people well you're too big you can't do this yeah. Um, and then people care enough when they say, actually, you know, I've got a new grandchild or I've got this wedding to go to. And I actually care enough now that I actually need to sort my own health out. So and they just say, 
right, I've had enough now. Yeah. Um, so, and that was really interesting. And I interviewed this lady, Caroline, and she said to me, you know, she said, I was really kind of anti the work that I do because it's, she said, I saw it as like frugal and going without. And she says, I was like, you know, I've got a good job. I can always earn money so I can spend loads because I can always earn more and my salary will always go up. And she said, so I was like, well, this is all just rubbish. And, you know, I don't need to worry about anything like this. And she said, then one day her sister came to our house and said, I paid off my mortgage. And Caroline was like, I'm a mortgage broker and my younger sister has paid off her mortgage. And so she said straight away, I was like, right, that's it. I'm changing my behavior. So she does the envelope system. They do the course yep. before you purchase. They used up stuff that they had at home. Yep. And she said, just changed it overnight. Yeah. Um, but she said, you know, it wasn't about going without totally. She said she always used to go to South Bank on a Saturday on her own for lunch, have lunch, a couple of wines, and then she'd go into town and go to queue and buy a dress. And she said, now I just go for lunch and I have one wine, but I don't go and have any other wines and I don't go to queue after and buy a dress. And just she that one, I'm, just that one thing saved yeah, three hundred dollars yeah. a week. Yeah. And she said, I have my envelope with my play money so I can afford my lunch and I can afford one wine, but I don't have to have the excess. And I just curb my spending. She said, because I've got loads and loads of clothes. Yeah. And so she said, it's you're still having some, but you're not having the all. Yeah. Yes, it's the same in the weight loss thing, right? So people go, so uh, I was talking to a friend, right? And she goes, well, I, every morning tea at her, where she works, the little coffee stand thing there, you can get a coffee and they have these little biscuits. And she says, I just have one of the little biscuits, only yes. little. I don't have, you know, that's not nothing. I don't know how many calories are in them, but it's not much. And I said, yes, but you have one biscuit five days a week. Yeah every you know that's 20 a month and 240 for the year it's accumulative over the what you're having so it's like your lady with the spending where she's got she's made a an assessment of I do this every Saturday and this is actually what I'm spending for the year on this yeah what else can I do like Everything is so accumulative. So thinking about that, and that was that lady's fun thing to do on a Saturday, and with your underspent, what is it that you do for fun? So underspent step number one is to identify your passions and your priorities. So I always say to people, write your passion list. Yeah. You know, what are the things that you really love to do? And lots of people say to me, I've done that. And I used to think shopping was my passion, but all the things that I really love are nothing to do with shopping. So they're like, so why was I going to Westfield? Yeah. And step number seven is to go out and have fun. So if your Saturday is just going to to a shopping centre, you end up buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have. Where if you're going out and doing the things on your passion list, um you well you're happy and you're not you know traipsing around a shopping center so yeah exactly 
So when I finished my year, I was like, right, I love going horse riding. So I then signed up and I used to go to horse riding every Monday night. And people would say to me, oh, how can you afford to do that? And I was like, well, I've got my play money and I don't buy all of these clothes and homewares and all the stuff that came out The stuff I don't want to do the thing I do want. For what I want, yeah. And so I used to go hiking every Saturday and then go out for breakfast. So again, that was my allocation from my uh, play money. But also I used to take my lunch to work because I realised that going out and spending like $15 in the food court on rubbish food yeah it was I'd rather take my own lunch and then use my money on the weekends that's helping and then, end your bank account <laughs> absolutely and then there's loads of, I really got into in that year was trying out things that like Brisbane City Council and other organizations um, offer for free like kayaking and stand-up yeah. paddleboarding and so then I you know got a stand-up paddleboard because then that's like kind of once you've bought it, it's free. You know, you just jump in the water and do that. So, yeah. What do you do in the yeah. UK for fun now that you're home? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah. you've got summer now. Uh, yeah, no, we have been going out. I've been going out with my mom and doing some walking and things. But not, I think it's that kind of routine, that once you don't have a routine and a structure, it's harder to but I have got lots of things that I want to do when I've got a house maybe maybe you could stop sitting in the waiting room until you have that and prolonging your happiness start being happy now yeah yeah and I was saying I should just go and buy or hire like a stand-up paddleboard mine's in my storage unit and I can't get to it which is an obstacle um so maybe I should just try and borrow one or hire one in the interim. Yep, or go horse yep. riding. I'd like to see you doing something fun because you are in that yeah. waiting room, right? This is what people yeah. who are losing weight do. They go, oh, well, I'll wait until yeah. I've lost the weight before I do the things that I want to do that will give me fun. And I, the whole point of dietless living is, well, how about we do? you do the things that you want to do when you've lost the weight? Don't wait. Just do them now, yeah. and while you're having fun, you're making better, healthier, happier choices for yourself because you're having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So next time we speak, I hopefully you'll okay. tell me about your horse riding adventures and your paddle boarding. I'd like to see a photo of that, please. I'll make I'll make myself accountable and send a photo. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> So how do you relax? What is it that you do for relaxation, Rachel? Yeah, I'm probably not that good at that, to be honest. I'd say kind of like reading, listening to podcasts. Yeah. Um, I'd like actually find creating things like ideas and brainstorming actually very relaxing. But creativity is, again, one of my values. So that goes back to the kind of values. Yeah. So what have you been creating lately? I've been actually creating some new content for Underspant. Okay. Yeah, and I do find that actually really, you know, doing the Canva tiles and things, I do actually find yeah. that really uh, uh, calming. Because it's creative, yeah. right? You're making yeah, yeah. something. You're exactly. doing something in yeah. your brain into something tangible. Yeah, definitely. So, so 
we've probably run over a bit of time here. So I'm going to skip the last couple of questions because I think we've really covered those anyway, which is how did your earlier career choices lead to where you are now? We've, I think we've covered that really about yeah. how Underspent came to being. And I think we've also covered what motivates you to stick with helping people to grasp the concepts of underspent and how actually easy and fun it is to change spending behaviours because it's not a, about the rigidness of budgeting and um, understanding finances and all of that. You have a very similar philosophy for underspent and saving money as I do in the weight loss world with dietless living. So I think that's what I do love so much about you is because we have some synergistic um, values and ideas there. And I think for people, it, there's a kind of three kind of phase, phase isn't probably the right word, but there's a three parts to this. There's understanding your own values, knowing what your compelling reasons for changing are, and then actually not putting the obstacles in the way, actually yeah. understanding that some of these things are actually very simple and they can be just applied into everyday life. And you don't have to do it all at once. Just make a, right. make a start and start changing. And within yeah. India, because there's that whole thing about marginal gains you know the value of marginal gains it's that changing that one percent if you look it up on google um the guy who did the british cycling team you know marginal gains if you look that up and you see just this one little tiny thing of a one percent improvement in in, yeah. in all places ends up making a big massive change teeny tiny change yeah. that you don't even notice and I think a lot of the kind of challenges, I've got several friends who are doing the, I think it's with Michael Mosley, yeah. where you've got to read 15 pages a day, drink three litres of water, do four, three or four lots of exercise yeah. and do something else. And you just think, and you'd have to do it for like 100 days. Yeah. And most people drop off at like 15 and then you have to go right back and start again. And I think people just think that's really hard. Where if it's something like, you know, not having the biscuit in the morning yeah. or, you know, pausing before you buy something, yeah. then I think those are things people think, oh, yeah, well, that's not actually hard. I yeah. think we have to, and I think the entrepreneur kind of sector is really into those big challenges and they're pushing really hard that they think everyone else is going to push really hard as well. And I think for lots of people, they're busy with, you know, work and kids and chores and whatever. That you, it needs to be really simple things that people yes. can do without even thinking. Yep. It's reduce one thing. It, what's the whole thing? It's either stop, start or reduce something, you know, you've, and you've just got to yeah. do something that you can do. Yeah. Whether it's in your money or your food. Yeah. Just yeah. Pick something, make a change this week. It's like dance steps. This is how I explain it. It's like dance steps, you know. When you go to learn the, I don't know, the tango, they didn't yeah, yeah. teach you to do the, the whole tango in the first lesson. You go yeah. in and it, you learn one step and you do it 
Then yeah. you do it. And then the next time you learn one yeah. more step and one more. And then you bring them together. Yeah. And then you learn another one. Yeah. And before you know it, you're doing the damn tango. Yeah. Yes. And it was the same at my, at my horse riding. We'd be like, we did this last week and the week before. And she was like, yeah, but you need to learn to keep doing this. And when you can all do it, we'll move on to the next thing. But we yeah. can't move on to the next thing until you until everyone can do this thing. And yeah. no one can do this thing first. Yeah. And there's yeah. basics, right? In gymnastics, yeah. they teach, not that I ever did gymnastics, but... Um, I remember the basic rule is for gymnastics, there are, you know, I don't know how many there are, but let's say there's five basic moves. And the the philosophy is you cannot over-drill the basics. So they go in every, every time they do gymnastics, they just do the five basics over and over mm -hmm. and over, and then they might learn other things. But yeah. you cannot over-drill the basics. And the basics are your poor, you said it, what, you do and what I do is the same. Pause. That's the first yeah. basic. Pause before you pull your wallet out and spend money yeah, yeah. before you put something in your mouth. Just that yeah. pause, you know, create a space with where there is no space so that you can just catch yourself and go, is this what I want to yeah. do? So yeah. undervalued. The value of a pause yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so thank you so much rachel where can people find you if they want to know more about you and underspend and how you can help them with their uh changing their spending habits yep so um that's the underspent book um it's in the brisbane library the morton bay libraries the ipswich libraries and um most other libraries if your library doesn't have it you can um, ask them to stock it. Um, the ebook is um, on all Amazon and all the other online stores. Um, it's $3. And the uh, paperback is available on, on all the normal bookshop online sites. Um, there's the Underspent Facebook page and also my Instagram, which is Cycling R Smith. But if you just find Underspent, hashtag understand you'll find it yeah and i share there lots of content um everything you basically need to know um to uh change your spending and transform your savings awesome and live a better life well a more uh, relaxed life because you'll be debt free absolutely yeah so thank you so much for coming on the show today, Rachel. It has absolutely been a pleasure talking to you because we haven't spoken uh, for so long, for over a year, maybe two. Um, so it's been a real pleasure to catch up with you and have you as a guest on the show. And to those of you who are watching us today, thank you so much for joining. And it is always really hard to say goodbye. So please make sure that you subscribe to the channel so that you get updates when a new podcast is published. And please do leave us a, a comment below if um, something that Rachel has talked about today or that we've talked about together today has been valuable to you in helping you overcome an obstacle or just giving you an aha moment or just anything about today because we thrive on the feedback. We'd really love some and maybe give us a little thumbs up would be really great. 
So thanks again for watching. Uh, we'll see you on the next show. And in the meantime, here's to your health and happiness so that you can love what you create. Bye for now.